Wallaby Cobb. Oh, yeah, and welcome to the Super 70s Sports Show. I am Ricky Cobb, joined as always by the international podcast star. Of course, I'm talking about the immortal Ronnie t-shirts. And Ronnie, it is Super Bowl week. How the fuck are you? 21 pounds down, motherfucker. Deck chair off of the Titanic. Dude, 21 pounds in five weeks. Are you feeling sexy right now? Oh, I'm wearing a G-string. Mm. So I've got I have my San, I have my San Diego Conquistadors t-shirt on and a G-string. Is that t-shirt starting to get a little roomy? <laughs> you know, I might have to switch to XLs. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're putting me on notice. I've already said, you know, I can't have you getting skinnier than me. And you're like, well, you don't have anything to worry about. Well, five weeks later, you're 21 pounds down. You're the incredible shrinking man. I don't know, dude. It's I just I I, I know I've talked to you about this in, in private, um, but dude, I can't I cannot tell you how bizarre it is for me to not I don't get food boners anymore. Like nothing like I'm not food. I'm not I don't think about it. I don't get excited about it. So I was talking to my friend uh, Ashley the other day, and she's actually going to kind of do it, too. Um, and uh, I was like, Ashley, I go, it's so bizarre. I said, because my whole life, I just wanted to fuck food. Like, it's just it's always on my mind. It, it arouses me. I think about it. I'm like, now I just I'm so indifferent to food. And it's the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced in my life, Ricky. I just I just don't care. Like when I eat. If it tastes good, I absolutely enjoy it. But other than just when I'm eating, I don't think about it anymore. And that is a very bizarre phenomenon for me. So, yeah, 21 pounds down, buddy. You're a recovering food fucker. I am a recovering food fucker. Yeah. Is that like a 12-step program? I mean, how do you get out of uh, the, the food fucking mindset? Is it all chemical? What is this thing doing? Is it just going to your brain and gaslighting you that food isn't delicious? How the, what's the fucking science of this this thing? Yeah, my understanding is that it slows down your digestive uh, process, and it does block a some sort of a signal that goes to your brain that says you're hungry. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm not, I, you know what? I'm not complaining. I'm like, I'm uh, just, yeah, I'm just beside myself with, I can't believe that this is happening. I mean, my, well, you know, this is like a fucking infomercial for, oh, 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 <laughs> Sam back. Um, and, oh. and so, uh, and I had, uh, I, I got my annual prostate exam last week. So if you remember last year, it was a whole show about it. So they asked me again if I wanted a chaperone. I declined, as usual. See? Look at you. You're down 20 pounds, and you're already getting more action. <laughs> oh, So, I mean, what do we talk about today? I mean, it's Super Bowl week, so I guess we would be remiss not to talk Super Bowl, Taylor Swift, the Kelseys, the Grammys. I don't know. What do you think? Look, I mean— America can't get enough of the uh, romantic comedy that is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's love relationship. You know, I mean, the culmination has to be they win the game and then what he proposes on the 50 yard line. 
like what was that kid Ian Johnson for the for Boise State did it in that uh when they beat Oklahoma? You remember wasn't that? even aware, wasn't even aware of that, but that's a uh, that's a real baller move there from mm-hmm. the kid. Yeah, it's like a fucking Hallmark Hall of Fame. It's like a basic cable romantic movie. You know what I mean? I, I look this game for whatever reason. I'm just kind of a little meh about it. Um, I was, you know, maybe looking for a different matchup. Um, in this game, but we have a rematch of what the Super Bowl from uh, four years ago. I think that you know, right as right as COVID was about ready to shut down the world, if I recall correctly, that was that was also a uh, 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl. It was. I went to a party, and there was a sick kid there. Went to a Super Bowl party, which I actually don't do often at all. I can't even tell you how many Super Bowl parties I've been to in my life. It's I can count on one hand. But I went to a Super Bowl party. Some little kid was sick, and like basically, like everybody that was there ended up with the shits. It was a super spreader event of diarrhea. Of diarrhea, yeah, and it was fucking awful. My uh, ex-wife got sick. I got sick. I was hearing secondhand through the grapevine that other families got sick. So, you know, I'm going to be avoiding Super Bowl parties this time, regardless of, uh, regardless of who wins. You know, the last time that we had a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl, my uh, friend, my pal, uh, Rob Almarino, Rob, shout out, uh, who uh, used to be a vice president in the uh, 49ers organization and was kind enough to have me out to a few 49ers games uh, over the years. Uh, he was going for a, for a ring that year, and I was pulling for the 49ers. This time around, Rob is actually in the front office of the Kansas City Chiefs. So he's on the other side of the coin. So I'm going to have to be pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs because I want my boy to get a Super Bowl ring. And if if the if the 49ers win, what does that say about Rob? Well, Rob did get one last year. Okay, so you know I, he's I don't I don't want people to think that he's coming up empty-handed because he got a ring last year. But yeah, if he ends up on uh, the the wrong side twice of this, that happened to Tommy John. Tommy John was on the Dodgers when they lost the World Series to the Yankees in both 77 and 78. Then he ended up going to New York. And in 1981, we had another Yankees-Dodgers World Series, and he was on the Yankees, and they lost. Wow. I, I wonder how many times that's happened in, in sports history where, where some, especially somebody prominent has been on the wrong side of of you know of of that like in a championship game like it's got to have happened before right yeah i'm sure it has i'm sure it has we need to put our crack research staff on that it's um, kind of, it's, it's like the opposite of robert horry right like didn't like every team he played for won a championship yeah big uh, big shot bob i think yeah. he won, i think he won 7 rings yeah he's won 7 rings Pretty sure he won seven rings. So that's uh, he was 
he had a horseshoe up his ass. It must have been hard to get up and down the court with that horseshoe impeding upon his colon. No, no doubt. But so I got to tell you, Rick, so I do I, I thoroughly enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes play football. So there's that portion of it where I'm looking forward to it because I love watching him play. But, you know, what I, I kind of feel like is my driving force behind this game and what I'm rooting for is I'm rooting for the Chiefs. And the reason I'm rooting for the Chiefs is I absolutely love being witness to greatness. And so, you know, Tiger Woods, how amazing is it that we were able to, you know, consume Tiger Woods at doing what he did? I got to consume Michael Jordan, um, the Patriots, even though I didn't love the Patriots, it's still cool to see greatness because like the Celtics that won, what did they win? How many in a row, Ricky? Like, or what was it, 11 out of 13 or something? Um, yeah. Bill Russell won 11 championships in 13 seasons in Boston. Yeah. UCLA, uh, UCLA's run in basketball. I didn't, I didn't witness it. Um, Jack Nicholas, I was still kind of too young to really witness when he was just the absolute man like Tiger was. So I enjoy, I just enjoy witnessing greatness. And that's that's kind of my driving force for this. Why and that's, and that's reflected in your favorite subcategories on Pornhub. <laughs> you're not you're not just going to you're not going to just to any category. You're going to the categories that are chasing greatness. And I, I, I'll say no more than that. I mean, I'm laughing because that's dumb. I can't even think of what the categories would be, but. Um, so what what uh, are there any any uh, are there any greats any you know great teams great great individual performances that you know you always think you, you might think to yourself man I wish I could have seen that I wish I would have been I wish I would have been around to see that Well when you think about the most dominant runs that that athletes have have had I mean certainly being fortunate enough to see Tiger. I, I followed Tiger on the last day of the 2000 PGA at Valhalla in, in Louisville. And that was the one that went to a playoff that the PGA was the, the leg of the tiger slam. That was the most dicey by far. And that, that was my favorite live event that I've ever been a part of. He was paired with get, you know, who he was paired with on Thursday, Ronnie Rocco media. <laughs> He was paired with another guy that you uh, that you were just talking about a few minutes ago. He was paired with Nicholas. Oh, that, really? that was Nicholas's final PGA, and they were paired together Thursday, Friday, and I followed them on Thursday. And I'll never forget standing in the fairway, watching those guys walk down the fairway ahead of me, side by side, talking to each other. And the the just the visual is still with me almost 25 years later of seeing what has ended up 33 major championships between those two guys and how many people can say that they got to see them play paired together in a major championship. I'm uh, I'm lucky to to have that one. That's so cool. So what what, what would the other what, if if it was football what would it what would it be like who would you see on the football be harder right because old guys can't really play football. I mean I guess Brady did. Um, but I guess, I guess 
you know, gosh, I don't know. I'm just thinking about how amazing it would be to like try to process while you're standing there. I'm watching or I'm looking at, I'm walking behind the two best that have ever done this. Golf is, you know, it's golf's probably the, probably the only sport where that's even possible. Right. I mean, didn't, I guess LeBron and, and Michael, uh, did they, did they cross over at all? I don't think they did. LeBron's first year was the 0304 season. And I think Michael was gone a year or two before that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And you, you, it's something that you just don't really see. Speaking of LeBron, I'm look, I'm very glad that the young man seems to be healthy and I wish him the best. This is not a criticism of the person by any means, but I'm getting a little tired of hearing the Bronny James hype. Well, you don't, you think, you think that averaging three points a game isn't going to get you in the NBA? This guy is averaging like a few points a game. I think he's averaging five a game. He's shooting 28% from the college three the last time I looked for a team that the last time I checked their record, they were eight and 13. And he's like, bro, I don't know how many college basketball players I can name. He's the most famous college basketball player in America, probably for people who are casual fans. So tell me why ESPN has it on the front page. Bronny makes great block was like (laughs) one of the top stories on ESPN. I'm like some fucking, some fucking guy who's averaging five a game for a team. That's not even good enough to get in the fucking NIT probably. Uh, and, and you know, oh, he blocked a shot. Well, that's wonderful. I think it's just, I think it's just low hanging fruit, right? They're like, people are dumb. Like they love, they love LeBron. So this will get clicks. Like that's all they care. They don't care. They don't care about like real hard hitting, interesting stuff. They just want as many clicks as they can get. And so whatever they can figure out to get clicks, that's what they do. Are you saying that the news has has bias? I would never say that, Ricky. No way would I ever say that. I trust everything that I hear and read. Everything. Well, if you trust that, Bronny is going to declare after this year because putting up five for a shitty team and leading the nation in triple singles is Obviously, it's time to get drafted and go go play in the NBA. Yeah. Speaking of that, speaking of kind of the same thing, I just saw something where uh, Shador Sanders is being projected as a potential number one pick next year. Are you kidding me? He's like, being projected as like number one overall or just a yeah. first pick? He could be the first to 10th pick next year. Like in, in 2025 draft. Yeah, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Well, we'll need to see. We'll need to see uh, another year. You know, he's talented. For me, it's it's too soon to, to, to for me to take a deep dive in on that topic. I didn't see him play enough this year. 
I know that for the first half of the year, he's like putting up video game numbers. And then it seemed like parts of his body were being broken after that. That's probably true. So I I don't really know, but I'm just waiting for the bears to fuck up this year's draft. And then I'll turn my attention to what do you think? You think they're going to part ways with Justin and, and get Caleb? You think they're going to try to get some blockbuster trade and then take Marvin Harrison first? What do you think? What do you want? I would not begin to try to read the minds of the collective brain trust of the Chicago Bears. So I'm not even touching that question. I do not have confidence that they won't fuck it up. I'll tell you that. Look, I think the simply if you're not if you're not going to trade for somebody, if it's going to be Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, then please, 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 for all things holy, you need to draft Caleb Williams. And I'm not completely sold on Caleb Williams as a can't miss prospect, but he's more CJ Stroud than Bryce Young. And I've seen enough of Justin Fields that it's time to pull the plug on this experiment. He's just talented enough and just dynamic enough in the moments when he does things right that you can try to talk yourself into him. But I'm, I've been past that for a long time. Fields needs to go. And if they stay with Fields, I would lose what little possibility of confidence that I could ever have in this current uh, Bears organization. Well, you know, the the other kind of positive reason that I I hear people talk about, I'm like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense is, you know, contracts are slotted now, right? So it's not like, you remember when Stafford came out, like he got a gazillion dollars and then they changed the rules to where every every rookie contract is slotted based on first, second, third, fourth, fifth pick, etc. So if you stay with Fields, he's going to have to get a big boy contract here in the next year or two. Well, if you draft Caleb Williams, he's slotted, which means you've got more money for other positions. And so you're actually better off if you have a, a, a competent quarterback who's younger. Like think about the 49ers, right? They're playing Brock Purdy, what, $800,000 a year? I know that's Caleb Williams will be way more than that because it's a first versus a seventh, but still that's kind of, I've heard some people talk about that, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. So uh, staying on NFL topic, and this is something you and I haven't talked about at all. Like, can you believe that NFL said no to Belichick? Like he's not going to be a coach this year. I'm surprised. I, I don't know what Bill was asking for. I don't know what control Bill wanted at the organizational level. I don't know how, you know, things went with him in Atlanta. Atlanta was the only team that even interviewed him, correct? That's my understanding is that he's the only one that he interviewed with. So maybe he like had no interest in uh, Washington or Seattle or whoever. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps not. I, what is he, 71, something like that? Yeah, 71 or 72. I mean, maybe he could take a year off and recharge and come back. I think it's I think it's interesting that he may not have generated 
the interest that we would have expected around the league. And again, I don't know how much of it was his call and how much of it was lack of interest. He may have been very discerning for all I know. But, um, you know, look, I'll say this. I hope that the guy continues to coach for a while longer. I think the NFL is more interesting with Bill Belichick in it. And regardless of the fact, as I've tweeted about multiple times, he has a sub 500 career record as an NFL coach in, in over 10 seasons worth of sample size, by the way, without Tom Brady as his quarterback. And with Brady going off and getting another ring and Bill's record post-breakup being the probably the worst period of time that he's had as an NFL coach, or at least the worst that he's had in a quarter of a century or more, I'm not really sure that he doesn't need to come back. I never thought that I would possibly say this, but I almost think he needs – doesn't necessarily need to win a Super Bowl, but I almost feel like he needs to go somewhere and have success for a few years to remind people that he's the GOAT. I totally agree because I just my my knee-jerk reaction is, oh my gosh, without Brady, your teams are terrible. And like maybe you're not that great of a coach. Maybe you're a great coach when you had these this this generational player as your as your quarterback um well i think about it now again i want to be fair to bill belichick but bill has he he won two rings with the the giants as well okay so the guy's got eight super bowl rings i believe unless he slipped one in somewhere else on me and and i'm blanking on it he was blessed when he was with the giants having the greatest defensive player that there's ever been, in my opinion, in the history of the NFL. LT. So the guys had the goat on both sides of the ball, in my humble opinion. And that helps a lot. You know, there's a picture that I've tweeted before of Magic Johnson when he was in high school with his high school coach. And I said, how to become a great coach overnight. Irvin Johnson enrolls in your school. Exactly. And I don't think it's that simple with Bill Belichick. I would never say that Bill Belichick isn't a football genius because I believe that he is. But he's 71, and I'm not saying the game's passed him by either. But you get older, you peak at some point, and then maybe the returns diminish after that. And without having these extraordinary not just generational talents, but the goat on each side of the ball. It's it's a lot harder, a lot harder to win. So we'll see if he ends up surfacing again in the league. I hope that he does. I hope that this isn't a, a situation where he goes home and decides, fuck it, I, you know, I'm just going to stay retired uh, because I'd like to see what he can do. Not only would I like him back in the league just because I – I like the thought of Bill Belichick roaming a sideline. I'd like to see. I'm curious. To me, it's a storyline. I want to see what he can do if if he lands somewhere. Can he put another team in the heart of the playoff race? Yeah. I'm surprised also that Vrabel didn't get a job. Maybe he wanted a year off. I don't know. But that's I think that's 
I think that's pretty uh, shocking too. I think a lot that was, of he was a shoe yeah. one job. So I think that that one was a head scratcher for pretty much everybody. Mike Vrabel is, as far as I can tell, one of the uh, finest coaches in the NFL. He's he's um, obviously a, a very very uh, bright guy and a very very capable coach, but he's also a leader of men. I was going to say, you want Eberflus or you want uh, you want Vrabel? Vrabel is like Dan Campbell with like better judgment. <laughs> you know, like it's it's like they could have been brothers, but Dan is just kind of like the brother who fucks up just a little bit more and just kind of is a little bit more of a wild card, you know. So I mean, I love Dan Campbell. He's but, a he's a maverick. Yeah, no, Dan Campbell's awesome. I love the guy, but I think Vrabel is a better version of Dan Campbell. And the fact that he's not going to apparently, as we as we record this today, have a team in 2024 is, you know, that's pretty ridiculous. It really is. It really is. So I forgot to tell you about something. I kind of went off on my own and I uh I did an interview and uh, <laughs> I think it's probably going to, I don't know, shock the podcast universe, dude. I don't know how you'll ever top this. And I know you've interviewed a shit ton of people. Dude, I interviewed Brian Sype. <laughs> well, you know, I hope you asked him about the that 1980 season. The cardiac kids, buddy. Brian Sype is one of my all-time favorite Cleveland Browns, period. Yeah, he's an awesome dude. It's, it's Yeah, Brian Sype, man. What the fuck are you talking about? You think you could top that interview? I mean, maybe. I, you know, I don't want to get into a game of one-upsmanship, Ron. I mean, you've thrown, you've thrown down the Brian Sype gauntlet. What level would I need to be at to be able to – Top that. I don't know. You tell me. It'd have to be somebody pretty good. Somebody that's a multi-sport athlete, maybe? Mm, that's a thought. Somebody that had a massive Nike ad campaign built around them? Maybe. Somebody maybe, some- maybe one of the coolest dudes ever? Maybe somebody who was a video game character that was so dominant, some considered to be the most dominant video game character of all time. Well, I'd like to think that everybody who's listening right now has figured out that you interviewed. I'll let you say it. I had the pleasure just the other day of waking up and starting my day by having a Zoom conversation face-to-face with the great Bo Jackson, Ronnie. Unbelievable. One of the highlights, I would say, people ask me, well, what have been the coolest moments in the history of Super 70 sports? And I mean, there have been so many. Having Rod Carew on this podcast is on the short list of my favorite moments in the history of Super 70s. Obviously, Linda Carter uh, contributing to allow me to enjoy my day off by taking uh, control of the feed with the the greatest Linda Carter break that we've ever had 
is is another one of my favorite moments. And there's really probably too many to mention. But I texted you and told you that Bo was going to be on. And I said, I've interviewed a lot of people, but this has got to be in the top five or ten, right? And what did you say to me? I said one or two. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to turn it over now to the Super 70s Sports Hotline where Bo Jackson joins me now. And by the way, Ozempic, you can sponsor the hotline. You know what I mean? You're just giving these testimonials to Ozempic. I feel like they should be paying for this privilege. This this podcast cannot become an Ozempic infomercial, Ronnie. No, this, the, the interview is sponsored by the Super 70s uh, store where we sell a wide variety of amazing T-shirts, like the San Diego Conquistadors T-shirt that I'm wearing right now. And with that being said, I now give you myself and the one and only Bo Jackson. Welcome to the show, Bo Jackson. It's an honor. I can tell you. I've been doing this for about nine years on Twitter, uh-huh. X, whatever we call it now. And I tweet every day and wow. I and I go through, uh, I'm man, 30, probably about 30, 35 tweets a day on average. Really? Every day of my life. And I'm a college professor. So I am, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a two sport athlete myself in a, <laughs> in, hey, in a sense. Tweeting like that, you are way tougher than Bo Jackson. <laughs> well, that, that's one of, that's probably the nicest thing that anybody's ever said to me, but it's com- it's completely not true, but I appreciate it anyway. Uh, Bo, the athletes that that people remember and love the most from the 70s and the 80s. I'm I'm probably as well qualified as anybody to tell you who those people are because I make these tweets every day and I see the comments, I see the retweets and the likes that different athletes receive. And you are on the very, very short list. I could probably count it on one hand and have fingers left over of the athletes that are the most beloved from that era. Um, and, and I have said before that the ratio, I think what it is, is your career, the ratio of things that I will never forget to length of your career is you're, you're the GOAT in that category, right? There are guys that are in the hall of fames and various different sports guys who had 15, 20 longer than 20 year careers in their sports, but you can't necessarily point to one or two things that they did that blew your mind. I, if I started going through the list of things that Bo Jackson did that blew my mind, we'd run out of time before I, I stopped detailing it. When Thank did you. when did you know that you were built different? You started out like a little kid, just like all the rest of us. When did you realize that God had put his hand on you? I realized that, when, but I'd say when I was 10, 11 years old, uh, we had a summer league baseball team, a little a little league baseball team, and uh, I was the catcher because all the other kids, they were afraid to be a catcher. So I caught. First time playing baseball, I was catching. And and I got good at it by watching the older guys play ball and the catchers and so forth and so on because I knew that I would touch the ball almost every play. Now, one time a little short, 
Little League season was over. The community also had like a men semi-pro league. These are all older guys from 18 and up. <clears throat> and the catcher of those guys wrecked on his motorcycle and broke his ankle. So he couldn't catch. Nobody else wanted to catch. So I said, I'll catch. And I was 11 years old. So I'm catching for the men's semi-pro team. And when we played teams, everybody was afraid that this kid was going to get hurt because he's catching. And they found out that the first time their star runner tried to steal a base, I threw him out from my knees. And then my first at bat, I hit a home run. So after the game, right after we beat up on these guys, and I'm the youngest kid, and I'm the youngest player by six or seven years of the youngest player on the men's semi-pro team, the manager or the coach from the other team, as we were shaking their hands after the game, uh, their coach said, hey, young man, hey, he said, I tell you what, if you would consider coming playing with us next summer, he said, I'll buy you a brand new 10 speed bicycle. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a pretty good offer. Then, yeah. It started then, and my coaches and managers, they ran over and they yanked me away from it and said, Stop trying to stop trying to bribe our, our players <laughs> and everything. But 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 all my life I played with older athletes which forced me to up my game so when i got to play against kids my own age the parents was pissed get that grown man off the field with our children before he hurt somebody yeah i've always been competitive well you know i was gonna say like everybody has that one or two kids that were in their little league that were just a little too good for the league we had got we had guys like that in Cave City, Kentucky, back in the 1980s, but they all grew up to like. I remember we had a kid named Les Adwell, and he he threw. I don't know what he was throwing, but when I was 10 years old, it looked like 102, you know. Yes. And but he grew up to be like five foot seven, and he sells insurance or something, you know. So so I mean, I can't imagine what it's like being in Little League with Bo Jackson. Because you know what what are you what are you possibly going to do? I mean, was it just were you homering every at bat? I mean, what was it like for those normal kids who grew up to have regular jobs? Well, it, my performance pissed a lot of parents off on the other team, and 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 uh, my coaches and my teammates loved it, and and we just had fun. That was back in the day where there was no computers, there were no cell phones. Your TV had three channels on it. So you were forced to go outside and play all day. Yeah. From don't come home until we call you for dinner. Then after dinner, go back outside. So that was that was actually my life. And now you look at me now being I am a grandpa now. But the thing about it is that I still work out. She'll go to the gym. Somebody say, people always say, Mr. Jackson, but you look like you could go out and play baseball and football right now. And my comment to that is that, look, 
I pull a muscle lifting the damn toilet seat. I'm not playing no more sports. I'm going to get on my bike because I don't run in anymore. So I get on my bike, get on it and ride 20 miles out west, turn around and ride 20 miles back. But in the same process, which leads me to my Bowl 3.0, my hydration drink. There are tons of them out on the market. And I'm, but, and I'm not dogging them out, but I needed something that's going to benefit me with hydration, blood flow, joint health, all of those things, no sugar. Those are the things that I look for in a drink. And not only that, when you get a combination of all those things together, you got to make it taste great. So that's what my partners and I've done. We partnered with Carrie out of Wisconsin, out of, um, I, it's not Madison, Wisconsin, uh, but Carrie is a company out of Wisconsin. Put it to you like this, 95% of the foods you eat every day got their ingredients in it. And we got with their food scientists and we sat down, even during COVID, I would get in my truck and drive up to Wisconsin, which is an hour and a half from my house because I'm in Illinois, and drive up. And we sit in the we sit in the in the lab, and we go over products and taste samples. And no, no, it doesn't got that taste. No, it doesn't got that taste. Okay, now we're cooking with oil, <laughs> and we come up with a good product. And the Bolt 3.0 is that. We have things in our product like IUFLEX, uh, Capros, and all of those things is what you need. All of those things is what you need for natural joint lubrication and, and, and natural blood flow. And you get those things going, you got yourself a good product. Well, I can tell you, I uh, have the product. I was fortunate enough to... Uh... Uh, get it before it was uh, uh, before the website was even live. So I, I felt pretty important, and I can tell you, you're right about the great taste. Because no matter how good something is for you, unless it, it tastes good, you know that, that that's a barrier, right? And I can tell yes. you, this stuff this stuff tastes great. Absolutely, it's, and it's bow3.0.com. If folks can folks can go there, please go to it. Check out the product. Uh, try it once, but my, but the thing that I say is that don't buy this product because my name or my mug is on it. Period. Try it because you're curious, and I guarantee you the taste and the flavor is going to make you. Well, and and I know you're discerning and. You wouldn't put your name on a product that you didn't believe in completely. So I think that endorsement, even though uh, people shouldn't buy it because uh, your name is on it, I think that you know that's got to make people feel good about it to know that it's up to your standards. Because you know I'm sitting here looking at you right now. You look like your career ended ten years ago. You <laughs> well, know, I tell you. Well, but I tell you this. I tell you this. I have the opportunity to put my name on a lot of stuff. And I'm turning them down on a weekly basis because, no, that's not what I don't believe in it. And I'm not going to say something that I don't think is true. 
and I'm not going to put my name on a product that I don't like. I've been in this business since the mid nineties or late nineties. And, um, and I managed to hold a good reputation within the food and beverage business. And I want to maintain that. So that's why I come out with my bold 3.0, got my, my business partners and I, we sat down, got to the table and we ironed out something that we think is a superior product. Well, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, product. I'm certainly enjoying it. You were telling me how you like yours before we started recording. You want to tell yes. people the right way to do this so that they can do it the true the Bo right Jackson way? way? To, for me, everybody's different, but for me, I take a regular 16-ounce bottle of water, drink about an ounce and a half of water out of that bottle. Then I mix my powdered drink in it, shake it real well, and I put it in the fridge for the next day's use. And the next day, it is outstanding. So I don't make just one bottle. I make about three or four because I have one in um, the morning. And lunchtime, middle of the day, I'll have another one and so forth and so on. And if I'm going to go on a bike ride or do something, I always have it. So I'm always out with my buddies because I'm an outdoorsman. And I walk a lot, but I'm outdoors bird hunting with my bud buddies or so forth and so on. I have one or two bottles in my backpack. All right. Well, Bo, here's the question I have. How how long am I going to need to use this product before I'm able to snap a baseball bat over my knee like a twig? Listen, and I'm not going to lie to you. So don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> don't be stupid. Right. Don't try that. Hey, listen. How did you? How did you think? How? Did, all right. Look. The, the the next ten minutes are going to be fantasy camp for me. I'm going to ask you as many questions as I can, lightning round, that I've been holding on to for thirty five years. So here we go. When did you first time you snapped a bat over your knee? I've seen them. I've seen you snap it over your knee. I've seen you snap it over your head, which is even more incredible. When was the first time? Did you surprise yourself? Were you trying to, or did you get mad one day and you were just like, "Well, shit, your bat's in two pieces"? How did that go down? But I did it on purpose. I did it on purpose because a guy struck me out that wasn't supposed to strike me out, and he baited me, and I took the bait. So I was pissed at myself. Because number number one, I felt I let my teammates down. I let my team down because I didn't move that runner over. So I'm always hard on myself. So I, I'm, but I'm just that way. I set goals for myself, and if I don't reach those goals, I'm mad at myself, not anybody else. So the only thing that I could have done at that time was take my frustration out on the back. All right, Bo, you took your frustration out on the football field on, on people. And I've seen you, I mean, just smoke people. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, you, the way you were, you built like a Greek God. You, you, you ran a four one three forty at the, at the combine in, in 85, you're drafted mm -hmm. uh, 86 rather you're drafted number one by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, you you broke Tampa Bay's heart. They're, they're probably still not over it uh, almost 40 years later. Did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ever have a chance to land Bo Jackson? 
they had a chance, but they screwed me out of my senior baseball year at in college. Um, somebody lied to me, and um, which resulted into the NCAA making me ineligible for my senior baseball year. And I didn't like that. So I said, well, you screwed me out of my senior baseball year. I'm going to screw you out of a first round pick. And they didn't believe me. And I'm a man of my word. And they spent that pick. Didn't get you. If they hadn't done that in another, in an alternate history where they didn't screw you out of that last year of baseball at Auburn, would you have just gone into the NFL, gone to training camp and, and started out at least as only an NFL player? With stipulations. No, there had to be stipulations that I, after the season, I get to play baseball. So that would have been one of my stipulations of signing a contract with an NFL team that I would play baseball too. All right. 1985, you won the Heisman Trophy. You beat Chuck Long out. It was closer than it should have been. I remember Sports Illustrated put Joe Dudick on the cover and said he was the thinking man's choice for the Heisman Trophy, which is the stupidest thing that's ever been on the cover of Sports Illustrated, by the way. Yeah, that magazine. <laughs> the, the, the absolute, it's such a joke. I've tweeted that before. Uh, you know, Completely wrong. But, but the voters got it right, barely. You averaged 6.6 yards of carry that year. Look, I've said to people, I think the three greatest running backs of all time, if you look at their careers, this is my opinion, and, you, and you know, you're a more credible source on running backs than I am, for sure, but I have always thought, uh, you know, any particular order, Jim Brown, Walter Payton, and Barry Sanders would be my top three. But mm-hmm. I have never, but I'm talking, about, if I'm talking about one game, Everything on the line, one game. I think Pete Bo Jackson is the best running back that I have ever seen in my life. I, well, thank you. Uh, so, so you, 53 games in the minor leagues, I believe, before you were major league ready. And I want to ask you this. I've, there's a picture of you when you were at Auburn in your baseball uniform. You're probably going to know the one I'm talking about. And you're holding, a, an, I think, an Easton bat yes. and a football. And I have tweeted before. Bo Jackson armed with an aluminum bat is a public health risk that no pitcher should have had to face. I don't want to stand 60 feet and six inches away from Bo Jackson holding an aluminum bat because it's a wonder you didn't kill somebody. How how far could you hit a ball with an aluminum bat? I got to believe you were launching 500 foot homers w- with that. But thing. I, but I had a couple of those. I had a couple of those. Um, in my day, um, I was just speaking, um, where was I? I was just speaking to some Georgia, uh, buddies of mine this past week. Um, I think we're in Vegas because I had a speaking engagement. No, 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 no. I was in Atlanta last week and I was speaking with some attorneys at lunch who were Georgia, big Georgia fans. And I was telling them about the night, the first time in the college history, Georgia's history, they had lights on their baseball field. Cost $700,000. And we came up to my first at bat. I almost discombobulated the $700,000 light system. And they were on me like mad because I hit one in left center 
and hit in the middle of the light standards. Broke one light, and the ball bounced back almost to second base. And first home run. Second home run, I hit one to their swim, swim house that was on the other side of the parking lot in left field. Then I hit a third one up on a little house where some college students, I don't know if it was a frat house or what, but they had a fire pit outside. They had a keg sitting outside, and they were having a blast. <laughs> and I almost tore down the frat house. <laughs> and they were cussing me something fierce. But um, I hit a couple that night, and the governor was there. Coach Vince Dooley was there. He was retired. But no, he was the athletic director at the time, and they came down after the game to shake my hand and say, take it easy on their new light systems because it has to last. So I hit a couple <laughs> that could have been 500 feet or more with that aluminum bat. And I, and actually a teammate of mine, um, I ruined his career because in batting practice, I hit one and he ducked down behind the screen, but the ball had so much top spin on it. It went right over the corner of the screen and hit him right behind the oh, ear. And, um, until this day, that bothers me because I know that the ball I hit ruined his career. So aluminum baseball bats are dangerous, are, are dangerous. But when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, you don't realize that. You're just thinking about hitting the ball hard somewhere and don't know the repercussions of that ball hitting somebody like it did. But yes, that aluminum bat, that's a weapon. Well, Bo, you know, you did so many things that other people just couldn't do. And I want to ask you about one play specifically each from your MLB career and your NFL career. I, the, you, you, so many. Hard to pick one. But if, I, if I'm going to drill down on one specific baseball play, I want to ask you about. It's the throw that you made at the I Kingdom. You know, I mean, I picked, I picked a good one. My friend Harold, Harold <laughs> is my best friend, and 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 Harold Reynolds, you know, stolen base champion. I mean, a a, a great base runner, a great uh, stolen base guy, uh, blazing speed. Yes. And and but I guarantee you, before or after Harold never had an experience like that because the disbelief on his face when you watch the video, it's just like. That that couldn't have happened. That was the in the in the Seattle. I think it was uh, Jim Lefevre. You know they're they're out and they're arguing and and it it's just not supposed to happen. Now well, it took the breath away from everybody that was there, and it's been taken. I mean, it's one of those. It was it's one of the all time like hey look at this videos. Harold, but but I tell you on that specific play, we had a shift on. It was the bottom of the ninth inning. And if they had scored, they would have won. And Martinez was the batter. Their, their first baseman, he was a left-handed hitter. So we had a pull on because he pulled the ball a lot. And for some reason, our pitcher threw him one that was that 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 was middle away. And I saw the pitch. And even before he swung, I took a step back toward left because I was playing left center. I, I was always in the left center. And um, Harold was, was running on the pitcher's first move. And Harold could fly. And 
As soon as Harold took off, pitcher picks his leg up and throws the ball. I break to the left field line because I knew if he had hit it, that's where it was going to go. And I'm like, he hit it down the line. And when I got to the warning track, the ball hit the ground, hit the wall, and bounced right back to me. So I caught it, and I'm thinking, I can't go nowhere but home with this. And my third base and shortstop, I threatened to kill him uh, previous. If you ever cut my ball, <laughs> I'm going to kill you because you're going to lose a half a, step, a second. And within that half a second, the runner could score. So they knew not to cut my ball. Well, I threw it high enough to where they couldn't get it. And uh, I just knew to get the ball, throw it where I thought home plate was. And Harold Reynolds is, is thinking, I'm going to have the winning run here, and I'm going to be on the newspaper tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, Bob Boone just stood there, one hop, grabbed the ball, tagged him at least a foot and a half from the plate, and Harold couldn't believe it. And even my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson now, when he comes over, he wants to watch Bo Jackson highlights, either football or baseball. And that one play where Harold is on the ground and throws his helmet, my son, my grandson pretends to throw his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and it is so comical. But Harold and I, we get a kick out of that. And the very next day when we're out on the field stretching, Harold runs out on the field because I got my back to me. And my teammates are saying, Harold's coming. Harold, Harold is running <laughs> for you, Bo. So I'm just laughing. <clears throat> and he jumped on my back. And he calls me all kind of names. <laughs> Why the hell did you do that to me? He said, because I was looking forward to waking up this morning, picking up the newspaper, and it reads, Harold Reynolds goes the winning run. <laughs> but yet the whole page had two words across the throw <laughs> with your mug on it. <laughs> Well, you know, you could have told Harold that would have been one day in news. You've given Harold, yes. you've given Harold like almost forty years of news from yes. from that play. But you know, back then, back then, baseball was not saying that baseball is fun now, but but baseball really was fun back then because we did the things, we did the hit and runs. Yes. We did the sacrifices, bunt, hit, swing, whatever. And and now it's either a home run or a strikeout. And not saying that that's bad, but it's not the way we played way back in the day. I agree with you completely. It's hard to watch because you'll go so long with no activity. Ball, I was reading something the other day. They were talking about some game. It was – it was like you know, it was like a it was like almost five minutes w- without a ball in play, you know, just st- strike out station to station. People aren't running. I agree with you. Let, let me ask you about my favorite football play. This is another one that you, I'm sure you've answered this question fifty thousand times. Too. Yes, I. But uh, November thirtieth, nineteen eighty seven, Monday night it's football. My there you go. Right. Twenty six. You gave your You gave yourself a heck of a present. That night, because I think it was only your fifth or sixth game. You had joined the Raiders at the start of the month. This would have been, I think, your fifth game, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you went for 221 yards on 18 carries. You had the 91, I think it was, yard touchdown run, which was really about 100 and 
50-yard touchdown run as I remember it because, I mean, you went down the sideline like a bullet. You were gone all the way into the tunnel. As I as I remember, I mean, you didn't stop. You were you you were gone. That was that was the longest touchdown run in history, probably. Well, well I would have stopped before the tunnel, but they forgot to hook up my uh, parachute to slow me down. <laughs> That's what it was like. You were like you were you were like an F sixteen coming into the aircraft carrier. You know, you could you you can't just stop on a dime when you're when you're going that fast. No. And and that was the game. And look, hey, and I know you feel. I can tell you're a sensitive guy, and that you know you're uh, sensitive to other people's experiences and some of the things that uh, yeah. that have happened. Brian Bosworth kind of got Harold Reynolds a little bit that night too, because again, you guys made the commercial later. But Boz seems like he has a good sense of humor about it yes. now. But, uh, but, but, you know, you kind of carried him into the end zone that night and his reputation probably never completely recovered from that. Well, it, it, it's, uh, but I was just with Bosworth a couple of weeks ago. We were at a function together. Uh, Brian and his wife, they support my charity bike ride in Alabama for tornado victims. And, um, and, and, and just that night, like I said, it was my 26th birthday, if I'm not mistaken. And not only that, my college teammate, who was my roommate and fullback in college, was on the Seattle team. Now, it's funny that I threw out Harold on that same field. So That's I right. Both of, of those things in the, in the kingdom. I have yeah. a lot of memories in the old SeaTac dome, but... Yeah, um, um, that week was hyped up to be the Boz and Bo show. And uh, all of the hype and talk was from their side because I'm the type, I'm going to keep quiet. I really let my actions speak for me. And um, Bosworth and I are friends. We see each other. We talk now. We got the same aches and pains and groans that we have. But back then, yes. It was fun, and 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 it was a night to where the folks back home, family, could see me play because it was a national televised game, and um, I just did what came natural. A lot of people don't realize is that I'm the eighth of ten kids, and when I got the ball to run with it in college and in the pros, I don't think about other players chasing me. I'm thinking, and what's going on in my mind? Because when I was a younger kid, I was the John Gotti of my neighborhood, which I stayed in trouble. <laughs> and I got spankings for it. And my mom would say, you better catch him because I was a runner. <clears throat> and she said, if you don't catch him, you're going to take his butt with <laughs> And they would chase me around the neighborhood <laughs> until they caught me. So as I'm running with the ball, I can't hear the fans. I can't hear the yelling and screaming. I can only hear the air whispering by my ear holes. But something, I hear this voice that said, don't let them catch you. Don't let them catch you. And I'm not speaking of the football players or the opponents. It's like, I can't let my brothers and sisters catch me because I'm thinking about that butt whooping. So that's what I, every time I got the ball, 
it was don't let them catch you. Don't let your brothers and sisters catch you. Well, I took work for me. When you were 26 years old, there wasn't a human being on the planet that could catch you. Maybe an Olympic sprinter, but if he caught you, all you would have done was stiff-armed him. Uh, I, I, hey, listen, my audience would kill me if I didn't ask you this last question. Tecmo, Super Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Bowl, you are the greatest video game character in the history of video games. For every man of my generation, you talk to any guy who's probably over – age uh, 40 or 45 who who had a Nintendo, they're going to tell you that Tecmo Bo Jackson is the GOAT of, of all time. What what has the the, the, the legend of, of the Tecmo version of yourself uh, meant to you over the years? Have you gotten a kick out of that? Uh, people still talk about it. We're doing posters, shirts, Got a pair of shoes with the Tecmo Bowl logo on it, but you may not believe this, and the public may not believe this, but I never played my own video game. I never played it. I have a cassette still in the wrapper somewhere in a box with the game, and and but I've never played Tecmo Bowl. Bo, you should you should raffle off for charity. Or something. But you, do you realize there's some rich guy out there who would pay an obscene amount of money to be the first person that you ever played Tecmo Bowl with? Somebody would pay a million dollars probably for that for that honor. I'm not even kidding. Well, if he did, he could be Bo Jackson. <laughs> he could be me. <laughs> he could be me. And not only that, um, those funds would go a long way because I'm very passionate about my philanthropic work. Uh, my inner city youth here in Chicago, my Mobikes Bama in Alabama, to help build community tornado shelters around around the state, help people can escape the wrath of the tornadoes that we have and so forth and so on. So you may be on to something there that I may have to look at. I'm just you saying. Have to look at. I'm just saying. You know, I mean, that would be, that would be a moment. I, hey, Bo, look, hey, I li- I live in the Chicago area. I give you I give you twenty bucks. Uh, you let me drop by one day. We'll play a game. Uh, Bo, I got to tell you, Bo, uh, Bo 3.0 is the product. Uh, I'm, I've been sipping it throughout this entire interview. I feel I feel like going out now and just running over a linebacker myself, Bo. I think it's starting to get into my system now. Like I said. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> Don't do anything stupid. Sit right there and do what you've been doing. <laughs> do what you've been doing. Trust me, but you'll but you'll live longer <laughs> because I'm not going to get out there and try to play with these kids now. <clears throat> like I said, I got to be careful lifting that toilet seat, man. <laughs> I pull a muscle on a heartbeat. Well, listen, Bo, it, it, it really is such a pleasure to talk to you a, a, after all these years and after probably the, the dozens, it, it, you know, if not hundreds uh, of times that I've tweeted about your exploits. I wish you all the success in the world with, with everything you have going on and uh, especially with Bo 3.0. I think it's a great product. Thank you very much. And like I said, the public, if they want to try it, go to Bo3.0.com. Look at the three flavors. 
order a pack just curious just if you're curious but i guarantee you you'll be a repeat customer thank you very much brother i appreciate your time. thank you man thank you so much all bro. Right. all right thanks a lot have, have, have a good one enjoy the enjoy this monday or try to anyway you do say all right my friend take care bye-bye dude that was awesome i still i still can't believe you you talk to bo jackson and i assume that if i see bo jackson sometime in the near future and i say hey you know ricky cobb he's going to say yes that blows my mind um but you know what else blows my mind he never has played tech mobile i couldn't believe that he he has never played tech mobile not even once and that was why i said to him I, you can auction this off there is somebody out there that has more money than you or me who is going to be willing to pay an insane amount of money to play Tecmo Bowl with Bo Jackson the first and who knows, maybe only time that Bo Jackson ever plays Tecmo Bowl. So Bo said he was going to consider it. I hope that he does. I may have handed him uh, a multi-thousand dollar idea for charity, but I got to tell you, Bo was such a great guy and uh, pretty wild, man. You know, when you're sitting on that Zoom and you're just face to face, it's almost as good as being in the same room with somebody. And there you are with this uh, individual that I've been a fan of for gosh, Ron. I mean, going on 40 years now and to have the opportunity to pick his brain a little bit and, and talk to him. And, and I have to say the Bo 3.0 that uh, he was plugging today during that interview. It really is good. I've got some of it right here in uh, uh, Super 70 Sports Headquarters, and I've taken to mixing it up and uh, enjoying it on a regular basis. And the stuff tastes good. You know, I don't know about all of the health benefits. I'm sure that they're as advertised, but all I know is it's got like five calories and it tastes good. So it's it's immediately... I feel like it'd be a great little uh, accompaniment to my uh, my weight loss, right? Stay hydrated, lose weight. I'm just saying. All right. Well, look, let me, you know, let me talk to my contacts within the uh, the the Bo Jackson uh, world of commerce, and perhaps we could get you a Bo 3.0 care package uh, sent down to Nashville. That would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah, dude. So like, uh, hard to follow Bo Jackson, Ronnie, but, uh, you know, I, what else have we got on the agenda today? I'll say that if anybody out there knows or has any contact and can, I, I would love to hear you interview Brian Syke if it just, like, if we can do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've got to go Brian Syke. Does anybody know Brian Syke? Can, is there anybody out there who can connect me? Bernie Kosar follows me. Yeah. So, well, then we want to interview Bernie too. Yeah. I mean, we can bring Bernie on. I like my Cleveland Browns quarterbacks who, you know, don't, don't go for the, uh, don't go for so many massages, you know, <laughs> back in the day when you had Cleveland Browns quarterbacks that, uh, you know, were, were, were just on the straight and narrow. And they were good role models for children. All right. I'm going to just, I'm just going to flat out switch gears on you right now. You ready? All right. Hit me. So you made a tweet the other day that somebody thought you looked 41 
uh, years old and you that, are. That's a true story. That's a true story, by the way. I did not make that up. And you're 52. So, somebody knocked, so somebody knocked 11 years off of you. Um, and so that kind of has been in my brain. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of, kind of really kind of fixated on that with myself right now because I don't want to look old if I lose weight because I've always joked that my fat pushes out my wrinkles. And so if I lose weight, then maybe all my wrinkles will show and I'll look old as hell. Ronnie, 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 I've learned, Ronnie. I know beard. You want me to grow a beard? Well, look, I've pitched it. But what you're referring to is a phenomenon that is just simply known as old face. Old face. Oh, don't want it. So anyway, Ricky, I was watching a commercial the other day. It was for Atkins bars. Another another pitch. There we go. We're not getting paid for these, damn it. Um, Why would anybody ever be motivated to pay us to promote a product on here when inevitably you're going to pimp it one week because that's just what you do? I know. So anyways, the uh, spokesman's for Atkins bars right now. Do you know who it is? Is it Rob Lowe? He's so gorgeous. He's 60 years old. He looks like he's 22. How the hell does he do it? I don't know, Ronnie. Uh, You know, God just reached out and said, uh, you're built different, just like Bo Jackson. I mean, I legitimately was watching this commercial, and I know he's got makeup for the commercial and all that stuff. But I'm looking at this dude, and I'm going, you know, if he was at a nightclub in Vegas and he wasn't married, he wasn't interested – 22-year-old girls would absolutely be interested in him. And all I could think about is if I was in a nightclub in Vegas, they would just look at me and shake their head and just say, not in your dreams, old man, not in your dreams. Well, guess what? How much does Rob Lowe know about the t-shirt industry? (laughs) Uh, He is not Robbie t-shirts, is he? Oh, let me ask you this. How good is Rob Lowe at cornhole? Is he is he a, is he playing cornhole at a professional level? You know, I, he probably does, and he'd probably kill me. We've all been blessed with our specific gifts, Ronnie, and the gifts that you were given were just not the same gifts that Rob Lowe got. I know, but man, so who who you did you didn't really elaborate? Who uh, who thought you looked forty one? Let's hear it. It was a student. A guy in my class, one of my classes, he, uh, I made a comment. I was lecturing and I made some comment and I referred to myself as 52. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he stopped me during mid lecture and said, You're 52? And I'm like, Yeah. And, and I said, How old did you think I was? And he said, About 41. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to tell you, I think I look closer to 41 than 52, or at least I probably split the difference. It's, it's probably how you dress too. Does, don't, don't you wear, you are like, you are like Chucks, right? Uh, actually I was wearing Timberlands. Okay. So that's still, that's, that's, that's a young man's shoe. That's not a, a an old man's shoe. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, but I, I agree with, you know, and a man, there's nobody that's more critical of me than me. And as you know, Ronnie, I've been in some relationships where, there's been some criticism. So my self-criticism, you know, <laughs> if, I, if I'm at the top, I've had competition. You know what I mean? Sure. There was a strong field of critics that I emerged from as my most vocal critic. And uh, But one thing I will give myself 
I have very few wrinkles, like almost like no wrinkles uh, in my face. And I don't know, man. I think I passed for 45 or 46. I'll give myself that one. All right. You know, it, it ain't all bad. Well, right. When you told look me- like me, I mean, you know, it's not a total win. I'm not morphing into Brad Pitt, but uh, I'm not I'm not aging horribly. So that's, uh, you know, I got that going for me. So when you told us, when you told me who said that immediately made me think of a story. So we were living in Tucson, Arizona at the time. And this, this says so much more about me than it does about the person that said it is. So we were walking with our friends who at the time were mid twenties. And so one of the, our friends had a a four-year-old son, Tate. And uh, I said, uh, we were walking. I said, Hey, Tate. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm four. I said, how old's your mom? And he said, 25. And I said, how old am I? He says, 10. <laughs> this kid, I was older than his mom. And he looked at me as somebody that was just a little bit older than him. Well, obviously this, uh, you know, and then did the short bus come and pick him up? No, he's a doctor now. He's smart. Well, he wasn't smart then. Well, no. Yes, he was. I act like a a child. That was the whole point. I act like a child, and he saw me as a child, not as an adult. Oh, I thought that like he was just ha- having a problem with understanding how numbers work. No, he just looks at he looked at his mind. He's like, oh, 25. He looks at me. He's like, well, you're kind of like me, 10. Yeah. I'm a child. Well, funny guy. He should All stick right. to his he should stick to his career as a doctor. He's not gonna make it in comedy, Ronnie. All right. Speaking of uh speaking of kids, kid things, final four. Yeah. Final four, and, and what made me think of this is I feel like you've been tweeting a bunch that kind of fall into this genre. Your so, final fours, you know, I've lost confidence in the final fours. Like I don't know what to expect. They're hard. They're hard. They really are hard. Well, um, they're hard when you start trying to think of them two minutes before we start to record. And I know that's what's happening. You're like the kid who hasn't who does hasn't done his homework. Oh, so that's just throw, throw, throw some shit together at the last that's second. True. I'm supposed to be the one who doesn't prep, Ronnie. You're still supposed to prep. That is not true on this one because I told you you have done a bunch of tweeting on this in the past week, so it inspired me. All right, hit me with it. I have no idea where you're going, final as usual. Four. I want your final four, not cartoons, cartoon characters. Man, now that's broad. That's mm-hmm. broad. Now, you're, you're talking about animate. Are you talking about animated programs? Yeah, let's 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 keep it. We're, we're not going to do Family Guy or Bob's Burgers or anything like that. We're going to do uh, cartoons as the, from our youth. Like, Classic cartoons. Yeah. Um, man, wow. See, it's a good one, isn't it? It's a good one. It's almost a little too good because I'm sitting here trying to reflect, which is a little bit harder to do when you're in the middle of a of a podcast and you need to come up with a response before everybody tunes out. Um. Well, while Scooby- you're thinking, while you're thinking, I just want to shout out, hi, Jen Turner. 
You son of a bitch. Well, I would like to think that Rex Crumb is enjoying this episode. Oh, I don't care about Rex Crumb. I care about Jen Turner. All right. Well, at least now your suck up game has gotten back on its level. There for a while, you were just really, really lacking. Yep. That was appropriately Eddie Haskell. So hello, hello, Jen Turner. Um, Scooby Doo. I mean, thank you for like greeting that with like stone silence. Oh, I thought you were going to elaborate. You normally you you normally pontificate after you say something. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's a dog that likes weed and likes to eat snacks because he has the munchies. So, I mean, he's pretty much who I would be if I were a dog. Plus, you know, always a plus when a cartoon character has a speech impediment. (laughs) So I'll give him credit for, I'll give him credit for that. And I've still never really, I've never gotten fully a handle on the, the, the nature of Scooby-Doo's cognitive function. On the one hand, this motherfucker has to be really smart because he's a dog that can talk and solve mysteries. Right. On the other hand, every other indication would be that he's facing deficits. Correct. Because he can't talk right. He's frightened. He obviously has an anxiety disorder of some type. So, but I'll start with Scooby-Doo. Secondly, and I'm going to continue on here, the path of animals with speech impediments, Sylvester the Cat from Looney Tunes. Yeah. For anyone who may not know. So you're not a a Tweety Bird fan? No, I wanted Tweety Bird to get fucking eaten. Every episode that that old lady would hit Sylvester with her umbrella or cane or whatever the fuck she was hitting him with, probably both, I was very pissed off. And Tweety Bird just taunting him from within the safety of of his cage. All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity to shine right now, okay? All right. Sylvester's kind of catchphrase, but you have to do it like he said it. I'm going to I'm going to politely decline, sir. And I'll give you my third. How about Wiley Coyote? Succotash? Well, you know, look. If you if you wanted to, I can't, I couldn't even get in the zip code of suffering Succotash and uh, you know, I'm just not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to dance like a monkey boy. <laughs> today, all right? This is the this is the Ricky Cobb with Ronnie T-shirt show. So I'm not going to, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Wiley Coyote. Okay. And there are obviously similarities here. You got another motherfucker who's trying to kill a bird. So I'm obviously a fan of animals who are trying to kill birds. I, you know, I don't think I have anything against birds, but you know, beep, beep. I always wanted him to, chase him down and kill him. And there was a segment in an episode of family guy where uh, he, he gets him and uh, that, or he, or he gets run over. Anyway, the roadrunner dies one way or the other. And that was incredibly satisfying. We never got, we never got that payoff, but uh, I was a fan of Wiley coyote. Those were, those were genius. I think Chuck Jones was the uh, 
guy who came up with that. And he had certain rules for how those cartoons had to be made. And uh, the, you can find that online if you're interested. But I love Looney Tunes, man. So it, so I had to put two Looney Tunes characters in there. And, man, going for a fourth animated character, that starts to get a little bit – that starts to get a little bit harder. But you know what? Fuck it. Hong Kong Fooey. I was a huge Hong Kong Fooey fan when I was a kid. That was my favorite cartoon when I was a – Wee little lad in rural Kentucky. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you've got a dog who's solving mysteries and, you know, thinks he's Chinese or something and is doing karate and all kinds of shit. He's voiced by Scatman Crothers. What the fuck's not to like about Hong Kong Fui? I told you it was going to be a good Final Four. I like that. I feel good about my choices. Yeah. I've got Scooby-Doo, I've got two dogs who solve mysteries, and I've got a cat and a coyote that, that try to kill people it, it, pretty much all the time. Kill birds. So, kill birds. Yeah, well, yeah, they try to kill birds, that's right. They didn't try to kill people. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just gave personhood to, to two birds, and that shouldn't have happened. My, if you kill a bird, there's no, like, you know, it's not even a crime. If a coyote kills a roadrunner in real life, that's not nature. even a crime. That's just nature. Yeah, it's nature. If a cat kills a bird, are, are you going to incarcerate the cat? Of course not. So if those birds had died, they, they had no real right to life. Ron, is what I'm saying. Tweety and roadrunner had no, they had no real right to live in my opinion. And if they were taken out by, uh, Sylvester or Wiley Coyote, then so be it. I don't think it makes me a bad guy for rooting for them. That's what I'm saying. All right. Since you asked, Tom and Jerry, love, love, I love Tom. Love so Tom. Tom and Jerry, does are, are you trying to, are you, is that a two for one? No, I'm saying from Tom and Jerry. I like Tom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tom's great. I'm a, I'm a Tom, Tom, Tom Cat, I believe is his name. I like Foghorn Leghorn. Oh, dude! I'll wow! Say, I'll say, wow! Wow! Now you, now you're, now you're giving me a little bit of regret, possibly. Really? I, I love Foghorn Leghorn as well. Uh, perhaps the most underrated of the Looney Tunes characters, in my opinion. And uh, I'm gonna go go off a little bit here, and this it just feels like it was. It's kind of my first recollection of remembering cartoons. It's Speed Racer. I love that guy. Speed Racer was everything. Wow. Here he comes. Here comes Speed Racer. He's a demon on wheels. Uh, oh. He's a demon and he's going to be steaming after someone. Is it something like that? Uh, I, I used to watch exactly. <laughs> I used to watch that before school, man. And I don't know how it holds up. I haven't seen an episode in a long, long, long time. But when I was a kid, Speed Racer was the shit. The shit. I loved it, shit, dude. All like, right, you got good. You got good taste in cartoon characters, Ronnie T-shirt. So you've you've got three of your four. Don't don't blow the fourth one because I'm I'm in lockstep with you on your first three. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking of four. I was just giving you some that I like. I didn't. I didn't actually have a four. Um, oh shit! You're you're almost to your final four now, so you might as well take I mean, one more. 
it's so it's so 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 cliche but i mean i've never never had a bad bugs money experience hey look man arguably the goat let's be honest he's arguably the goat of all cartoon characters he was a five tool player the guy could do everything he could do opera he could do he could stories pitch. Yeah, he could hit, he could pitch, he could uh, stick his finger in in a, in a shotgun and make it backfire into your face. Yep, he was a master manipulator. Incredible manipulator, and he and he looked and he was fucking hot in drag, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he would he put that lipstick on and a, a wig or whatever, and it was just kind of like, okay, all right, I'm just saying. Bugs Bunny was he was a hot woman. He could do it all, Ronnie. I know. I know. And absolutely do it all. He uh, you know, the franchise player of yep. uh of uh the Looney Tunes characters with without question. And you know, look, honorable mention to Daffy Duck. I I don't think it's really fair to not mention the Daffy Duck. Yosemite Sam was great. Homer Fudd, Porky Pig. What a roster. Pepe Le Pew. Pepe just, Le Pew. Out there, just out there raping people. He was just a fucking rapist, Ronnie. He would be absolutely, absolutely canceled today. Canceled today. There's no there's no question about it. Slowpoke Rodriguez. Ooh. Do you remember Slowpoke Speedy, Rodriguez? Speedy Gonzalez's cousin? Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Am I right? Was he Slowpoke Rodriguez or was he Slowpoke Gonzalez? No, he's Slowpoke Rodriguez. That's what I thought. Okay. He was slow. He was clearly baked. Oh, absolutely. Just absolutely had to be baked. Well, in it's, my opinion. it's so funny, Ricky. Like, you know, when you watch them as kids, they're just, they're fun kid stuff. But then if you ever see them as adults, you're like, holy fuck. I cannot well, believe what they're insinuating here. Well, they were made for theater audiences. You know, they were shown before movies in theaters to entertain the people in the theaters so they weren't dumbed down for children. They yeah. were cartoons that were basically for adults, and that's what made them good. It's not, you know, we cater too much to children. Like Sports Illustrated for kids. They probably, you know, there's no fucking Sports Illustrated now, I think, as we <laughs> as we record this because they were – having AI people write their articles and shit and whatever. But, you know, when they had Sports Illustrated for Kids, I always thought, you know what Sports Illustrated for Kids was when I was a kid? Sports Illustrated? Yeah, you fucking read Sports Illustrated. <laughs> and, you, and you raised yourself to the level of that. It made you learn to read better. There's a word you don't understand. Go ask, go ask an adult what it means. I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated when I was six, Ronnie. I don't ever remember it being like beyond my comprehension. So too, too many things towards children nowadays. I'm not saying we should not cater to children at all, but you know, sometimes maybe let children aim a little higher and maybe they'll grow up to be better adults. You know, I think those cartoons, I don't think those cartoons fucked us up or anything is what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely. You know, I mean, they clearly didn't. It's okay. So, 
you know, SpongeBob SquarePants, I will give a little bit of a shout out to in that regard, because I used to watch a lot of SpongeBob with my daughters and I came to, I came to like the show uh, pretty well and largely because they built a lot of things into that show that if you were paying attention, you could definitely enjoy as a parent. And Absolutely. I respect, I respected them for that. I remember SpongeBob too. A lot of a good adult humor in it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, we've reached that time of the podcast where it's time to say goodbye, Ricky. Goodbye, Ricky. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I know that I did. It's not every episode that you get to sit down with Bo Jackson, and I got to ask him some questions. I hope that you guys enjoyed the questions that I was able to ask him in the limited time that we had. And I can tell you that uh, after the Super Bowl, I guess, by the way, Ronnie, on the way out here, let's get a prediction. Who you got? Chiefs by six. I'll take the Chiefs by four. And we'll come back and see how woefully wrong we inevitably probably are when we meet up again with you on the next episode of the Super 70 Sports Show. God, oh my God, oh my God. It's gotta be Cobb! It's gotta be Cobb!